Welcome, it's good to be with you. I'm always grateful for our time to share together in worship. Thank you for your attention and your faithfulness to this time of proclamation, sharing in word, confessing our faith, offering prayer. It is something that is of great significance, especially at this time. I hope it is of comfort and of consolation to you. I hope it's of encouragement and a reminder that we are not alone as we make our way through this time of pandemic. Thank you for your faithfulness to God and His church and for your attention to this time of worship. God bless you and welcome again. We'll share in our call to worship. I will share the people's response as well. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing that comes from heaven, who knew you and chose you before the world began, who loves you so much he calls you his own children, who has brought you from darkness into light and filled you with his glorious power, who has prepared an inheritance for you that will never spoil or fade, who encourages and strengthens you in every good word and deed, who comforts you in your troubles so that you can comfort others. This is our God, the ultimate source of all things, and the one for whom we live.
We are called to be those who ask and seek and deny, pray without ceasing, so we go to God as we pray on this Father's Day. Loving God, Abba, Father, we thank you that you have shown us how important it is to follow your example as we grow in faith. Teach us to be obedient to your will, respecting you as children should. Thank you for your mercy despite our disobedience. Strengthen us to stand up against the challenges of this world, honoring your name and to trusting your grace. In the name of your Son, we pray. Amen. We prepare to hear the Word of God. We're going to share from the Gospel of Mark. I will share the first 11 chapter, excuse me, the first 11 verses of the Gospel of Mark. And then I will share Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. So sharing from the beginning and the ending of the first of the Gospels. First we pray. Lord, you are Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who stands at the beginning of our lives and the one who awaits us at the end of our lives. For your word, which sustains us every day in between, we give you thanks. Pour your spirit upon us as your word is proclaimed, that we may be inspired. In Jesus' name, amen. From Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, we hear the word of God. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, who shall prepare thy way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And there went out to him all the country of Judea, and all the people of Jerusalem, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, and had a leather girdle around his waist, and ate locust and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the thong of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens opened and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, Thou art my beloved Son, with thee I am well pleased. From chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the door of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone was rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had come upon them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. 
This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. You may remember from 1999 having seen the movie The Sixth Sense. It was a famous, well-known movie nominated for Best Picture, directed by M. Night Shyamalan. And so The Sixth Sense, as we recall, tells the story of Malcolm and his relationship with a young boy named Cole. But the movie begins with Malcolm and his wife having returned home. Malcolm is a child psychologist. He has received an award for his work in Philadelphia. And having returned home one evening with his wife, they are surprised by a young man who once was a patient of Malcolm's. The patient is not doing well as an adult, blames Malcolm for not having treated him well. And in anger, he shoots Malcolm and then takes his own life. That scene ends, and the next thing we see in the movie is about a year later where Malcolm continues his work as a child psychologist, and he is caring for a troubled young boy named Cole. We will see their interactions throughout the movie. We will famously hear Cole declare to Malcolm, I see dead people. We will see Malcolm in the presence of his wife, who feels he has become cold and distant. We will see Cole dealing with his mother. We will see him in a production at his school. And eventually we make our way to the end of the movie, where we see this twisted surprise ending, where we discover that having believed Malcolm was alive all through the movie, he in fact is dead. We just did not know it. And we are stunned by this ending, an ending that no one really saw coming. Well, let's go back to the Gospel of Mark. We shared the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, and we shared the ending of the Gospel of Mark. And may I suggest here that the Gospel of Mark has an equally shocking and surprising ending. Jesus, we know, in chapter 15, has been crucified. And we find our way to chapter 16, where we see women faithfully going to the tomb. They believe Jesus still to be dead, and they want to prepare him for a proper burial. But they get to the tomb, see the stone is rolled away. They enter the tomb, there's just a young man there who tells them that Jesus is raised from the dead. It has gone before you into Galilee. The surprise here is that the women do not rejoice at this news. Instead, they run from the tomb in fear and say nothing to anyone. The end. Now, we know it's true that there are other endings to the Gospel of Mark, but I believe, as most scholars do that the Gospel of Mark originally ends at verse 8, not with celebration or joy, but with fear and silence. Back to the sixth sense, perhaps as you saw the ending of that movie, you felt the inclination as I did to watch that movie again so that we could make sense of that surprise ending. And might it be that it is a similar case with the ending of the Gospel of Mark that we feel this inclination to want to read again through the Gospel of Mark so as to understand this ending. 
You see, I'm feeling that the Gospel of Mark is not ending so abruptly so as to shock and surprise, but perhaps instead to invite you and me to read through this Gospel again. For that invitation, I am grateful. Because I know, as you do, there is that need for us to learn at times what we already know. And there is that need for us to tell the old, old story. There are no stories like those found in the Gospels, are there? Gospels telling us of the miracles of Jesus, of how Jesus was able to make the blind to see, and how it was Jesus who was able to make the lame to walk. It's Jesus who brings life to the dead. It's Jesus who tells these parables. Parables making known to us the glory of the kingdom of God. We are invited again to remember the baptism of Jesus, of how the heavens opened and we heard the voice of God telling us, this is my beloved Son, listen to him. We are invited again to go to the Mount of Transfiguration to see Jesus in the company of Moses and Elijah, and again to see the heavens opened and to hear the voice of God saying, this is my beloved Son, listen to him. We are invited to go again through this gospel to make the triumphal entry with Jesus into Jerusalem, to find our place at the table as he breaks bread, says, this is my body given for you, this is my blood shed for you, do this in remembrance of me. We are invited to be there on Good Friday to see Jesus die, not for anything he did, but rather out of his love for us. We are invited to experience again the power of resurrection. This is a story we need to visit more than once, isn't it? Especially now. We know there appears to be so much piling up in our lives to the point of obscuring this story, to the point of creating some distance between ourselves and this most important of stories. And you may feel, as I feel at times, just totally disoriented and dislocated and removed so much from that which anchors our lives and gives order to our lives. You see, our faith and our church provide such routine and ritual so as to order our lives this church and faith provide home for us and sanctuary for us in more ways than one. And that life of faith lived out within the ritual and liturgy of the church is not life as we know it now. So this story that Mark invites us to experience one more time really is a home for us. And we want to find our place within the comfort of this home. You may remember it was a couple of years ago during the summer when Preston Painter, who at the end of a, an internship he served here, became a member of this church. And he had served here as an intern before going to college at the University of Virginia. And at the conclusion of his internship, Preston was required to write a summary of the work that he had done here, uh, of his internship at First Church 
And he began his summary with these words. First church was home for him all along. He just never knew it. Reminds me of a gentleman named Anson Mount who grew up in a small town and traveled throughout the country and around the world doing work before his retirement. And upon his retirement, he returned home and he wanted to stop by a service station. He remembered from his youth to buy some gas, and this was before everyone had cell phones and so forth, but he, he bought the gas and, and realized that as he went to pay for the gas, he could not find his wallet. And he was apologizing profusely to the owner of the service station. And the owner of the service station remembered Anson even after all these years and tried to comfort and console Mr. Mount by saying to him, Anson, it's okay, don't worry about it. You're home now. We remember what Robert Frost, the late poet, said, is that home is that place where when you go there, they have to take you in. And you know of my affection for baseball, and I appreciate finding faith connections even to the sport of baseball. As I recall that in baseball, you remember that as you bat, you begin at home, and what is your desire? You want to make your way back home. So it is for us within the faith, and graciously the Gospel of Mark invites us back home where we are taken home. And having found ourselves within this home of faith, within this home provided by the gospel, we find there is room for us, that there is boundless grace and welcome. Here we find we are forgiven. Here we know that we are healed. And here we know we are loved without condition. It is an amazing story. There is nothing like it, nothing like the gospels. To what would we compare the Gospels that we find in Scripture. And truly, we recall this story told by our Gospels, and we know one reading of this is not enough. I remember visiting in a previous church an elderly woman named Miss Essie. And every time I would visit with Miss Essie, in addition to concluding our visit with prayer, she would always want me to read a portion of Scripture. And I would say, Miss Essie, I'm happy to read Scripture. What would you like me to read? And her response would always be, well, it's all good. But she's right. This story of Jesus and his love is all good. It is a story of a love without end and a love without condition. It is a love we are invited by the writer of the Gospel of Mark to experience again. So we come to the conclusion of the Gospel of Mark. Yes, it may not be the ending we had expected. It's certainly not an ending that we emulate every Easter morning. And it's not an ending meant necessarily to shock or surprise but instead for Mark to say to us, let's go through this again. It is the most gracious of invitations to try to understand the significance of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus for us again. 
So Mark invites us, and with you I accept this invitation to walk through this story again and to begin again with this gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. so that you may name 
those concerns that are upon your heart during this time of prayer. And then we conclude with the prayer that our Lord has taught us. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the faithful witnesses who have gone before us. And we thank you for the invitation to experience again the gospel of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Lord, help us to know again your love for us, to experience the miracles, to hear the parables, to know the welcome you set before us, and to know your love without end or condition. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And hear us, Lord, as we pray for members of this congregation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for those who suffer and those in trouble. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for the concerns of this community. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for the world and its leaders. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for your church, its leaders, its members, and its mission. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And Lord, hear us as we join our voices to those of your saints, that cloud of witnesses surrounding us even now, praying as Christ has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever.
we've been invited to know again the grace of God, the peace of God that passes all understanding. So go now in peace, in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit.